Welcome to episode 5 of the Invited Along podcast. Hello world, this is Juan. And this is Quentin. We're an international couple traveling around the world for love, work, and the pursuit of wonder. Through this podcast, we invite you to come along with us as we discover places near and far while treading lightly and not breaking the bank. We are now cozying up in the city of Chiang Mai with heavy rains falling on our roof, but Chiang Mai will discuss further in the next episode. Instead, this week, we're going to discuss three parks that we've visited over the last two weeks because they all blew our minds in different ways. Let's introduce them in our itinerary section. The first park is Engton National Marine Park, which is actually a set of islands that are located about an hour and a half off the west coast of Koh Samui. Since our hotel was on the north side of the island, we took a taxi to the Nanton Pier with our friends, which is a pier on the west side of the island. From there, we had booked a boat tour and they took care of bringing us to the relevant locations. The second park is Kalsok National Park, which is a region of limestone cliffs covered in ancient rainforests with a large lake in the middle. It is located an hour and a half west of Suratani, a city we already mentioned because that's where we got off the train to reach Gosamoy a few weeks ago. We stayed in Suratani for two nights and took a van from there to the park and back. The third park we visited is a bit different. It is the Elephant Nature Park, Thailand's largest and most renowned elephant rescue and conservation park. It is located, you guessed it, an hour and a half away, this time from Chiang Mai. Here the pickup and drop-off was organized by the park itself, we just had to be ready bright and early. And now it's time for takeoff. Here we discuss the costs and what we prepared in advance for this leg of the journey. In this case, there was honestly very little prep. For Angton, for example, it was organized by friends who were already in Kosamoy. It cost 1500 baht, so around 40 US dollars per person. We just gave the money to our friend and they took care of the rest. As for Kalsok National Park, we asked our hotel the day before, and they gave us a very mysterious phone number and a contact for Mr. Nook. We'll talk more about that in a later section. But the total cost was 2,500 baht, or around 75 US dollars per person, for this day trip. As we said, Kalsok is located near Suratani, so we had to plan to stay in Suratani for a couple of days. So we booked the hotel a few days in advance using Paddy Doyle's advice. We've already mentioned Paddy Doyle is one of the main YouTubers when it comes to Thailand. He advised to stay at Rashtani and we were able to stay there for 600 baht, which is about $17 a night. It was an extremely central location and right next to all of the major transit hubs. And lastly, for Elephant Nature Park, we had asked Greta, our friend who works in wildlife crimes and conservation, about an ethical elephant encounter experience in Thailand. And she had sent me this a few months ago, so it had been on our radar as we were planning our trip to Thailand. We booked a few days early online, and then we paid 2,500 baht per person in person at the Chiang Mai office for Elephant Nature Park. Now for our in-flight entertainment section, where we tell you about what activities we took part in. And I'm going to start with Anton that we were mentioning earlier. 
It was honestly pretty well organized. So the basic idea is, as I mentioned earlier, we went to the pier with a taxi with our friends, and from there we just boarded a boat tour. And the boat tour, you know, led the way for the entire time. They brought us to a first location where there was a beautiful saltwater lagoon that was sort of enclosed inside an island. And later on, they actually dropped us off to a second location, which was a beach on a different island of the national park. I really liked the the general um, landscape, of course, was absolutely beautiful. I really enjoyed the, the boat ride in of itself, was actually quite enjoyable. I really liked the lunch. My favorite part of it is that at the second spot, we were able, so by the beach, we were actually able to encounter monkeys. Dusky leaf monkeys, which are very nice and not aggressive at all and love to play and love to cuddle. They had babies with them, which are these beautiful bright orange color. So that was a very nice moment in Angton Park. As for the not so great part, honestly, for me, it was all a bit of a blur because, again, I was pretty sick during this part of the trip. But I did get to experience a first aid clinic in Thailand. And I must say, I had a really good experience. I can't say that I would recommend you going to a first aid clinic, but this was at the second beach and they had a national park run clinic. The only weird part was that they had to take photos of me as I was um, low-key dying on this like examination table for their records. So a really bad picture of me is somewhere floating with the Thai government. But it just turned out that I had very low blood pressure and they thought that it might be due to dehydration from some very bad stomach issues earlier in the week. So yeah, not the most glamorous thing for me on that trip, but I also did enjoy whatever lunch I could put down and the scenery was nice. And again, that first aid clinic experience was pretty efficient and great. Another thing I really liked at Angton National Park was a beautiful hike up to a cave, probably the hardest hike of my life. I am not exaggerating when I say it had an incline of at least 60 degrees for most, if not all, of the hike. There were ropes that you had to kind of like pull yourself off or upsail from as you're going up and down the, the hike, but it was worth it. Absolutely beautiful landscapes. Overall, this was a really fun day trip leaving from Gosamoy. So if anyone has just one day and they want to go explore Anton National Park, an organized boat tour could be a good way to do it. I would say just be ready that there's going to be a lot of boat time. I'd say throughout the entire day, we, we actually stayed longer on the boat than we went into the national parks. There's not much of a, of a choice here because the national park is simply an hour and a half away by boat. So it is going to be at least three hours of boat to reach the islands, no matter what you do. Hey, but at least the waters weren't super choppy and they had free-flowing, like a buffet of Dramamine pills. We did take some, but no one got sick on this boat. Yes, that's true. They straight up just had a bunch of Dramamine, like next to the coffee and the tea. They were just like, yeah, we know, we know. And you could actually also go on the top of the boat and just uh, soak in the sun if you wanted. They had like those sort of yoga mat situation they could just lay lay down on. Uh, I didn't do it too much because it was very sunny, too sunny for me, but uh, some people really enjoyed it on that trip. It's also worth mentioning that we went with the option that did not include the kayak trip, but in our same boat, there were people who were also going kayaking instead of the lagoon hike. So either is possible, just depends on what you feel like doing that day. Yeah, and the lagoon hike, we didn't mention it, but it was essentially 
again very steep but the stairs were actually built into the uh into the the mountainside well hillside it's not exactly a mountain so you just have to climb up and down stairs but they are extremely steep stairs Right. And here I was flabbergasted by our friend George, who was running up these stairs like they weren't anything. I, on the other hand, was grasping on the rails, holding on for dear life, thinking, oh, today might be it. Uh, But yeah, commendable George. I can't believe that you just like ran up these stairs. Yeah. And he's also the guy that did the, the cave hike with me. And same, he was just flying Again, you had to pull yourself with ropes and whatnot, and that man is part mountain goat. Uh, I was just sweating bullets, just heaving like I was close to just expiring for good, uh, <laughs> you know, a good hundred meters behind him. It was just like, he was just strolling. He was having a blast. I mean, I was having a blast too, but it was really pushing my limits. Didn't you say at the end, you just walked fully clothed into the yes. ocean? <laughs> yes, we, we went out of the hike and so it was by the beach by the time we we're done with the hike i just just dropped my shorts i had my my swimsuit underneath and i just walked into the sea with my t-shirt on because it was so sweaty i could not remove it i was like this this t-shirt is done forever okay for our next stop we went to Kausok national park as we uh, mentioned earlier now this one to organize as we said earlier was a bit more confusing we didn't really know how to reach Kausak from Suratani, and what we learned is that one thing that we had not realized, and it's not obvious when you look at it online, is that there are essentially two main spots in Kausak National Park. And when you talk with the tour operators, they will differentiate between the Kausak village, which is essentially connected to the local rainforest's trails, and the Kausok Lake, which is an artificial lake that you can go on a boat with and you can sort of see beautiful sights from. So we had not really understood before coming to Soratani that those are kind of considered separate hikes and loads of people go there, stay the night and do one day more in the rainforest hiking and one day more on the lake uh, on a boat. Uh, we decided to go for a lake because the views are generally more beautiful from what we could see. But it took a while for us to understand what was going on. And uh, yeah, Juan, you mentioned something about WhatsApp and a certain Mr. Knock. Yes, I felt a little bit like I was in one of those episodes of No Reservation, one of the older ones with Anthony Bourdain, where he gets personal and he's like, yeah, today Mr. So-and-so took us to a mysterious place. Because I really felt like this happened to us. We went to our reception and we explained that we would love to go visit Kelsok National Park. They pull out this binder with a pre-planned tour that basically did not have any of the sites that we want to see at Kelsok National Park. And it seemed like it was driving you to one souvenir village to another and I didn't really quite understand. So then I think we said, oh, we want to go see the lake and the limestone cursed and really explained what we're looking for. And then he pulls out this hotel brochure from a hotel called the Putawan Raft House. And he gives us a name, Mr. Noak, and a WhatsApp number. He calls Mr. Noak, organizes something with Mr. Noak, and basically tells us to show up the following day. And Mr. Noak is going to be by the docks to pick us up. 
Essentially, we had a name and a WhatsApp number and <laughs> hopes and prayers. Yeah, and at this point, this was just the organization for the, the, the tour of the lake itself, but we still needed to make our way there. We knew that there was the local van sort of uh, that can go to Kelsuk National Park that we had seen online. So we went there, we asked them, okay, how can we go there? And actually the person at the this van company called Pantip was a bit more uh, a bit more fluent in English and we told her about sort of the, the Mr. Knock situation. So she called, <laughs> uh, she checked, double checked with him and we were able to sort of arrange everything. But until we actually got there, we just didn't have any idea of what was going to happen. And even when we got there, it was still very unclear. Right, right. So then we get on this van the following day, and this van seems to be making its way to the right direction, but keeps on picking up other passengers, including two monks. And we're like, where are we going? What is going on? Eventually, we do get dropped off. And of course, there is no Mr. Noak. There is a very helpful young woman who was looking for us. So somehow we paid and we get on a long tail boat. And from there, it was absolutely gorgeous. The long tail boat, we were on the water for maybe about an hour. And we were able to see those incredible limestone cliffs. Uh, you'll see them in the reel that we've done on Instagram to tease that episode that you're listening to right now. I mean, I had never seen a landscape like this. Angton National Park was, of, of course, very beautiful. But at this point, we had already seen some of the islands around the, the area of Kusumoi, But this was completely different. I don't know if you had a favorite bit. I think it was maybe even the anticipation and the surprise. Even on that boat, I had no idea what was our destination. And I kind of just went along with it. This place is known also as the Guiling of Thailand. And Guiling is an area of China that's very famous for limestone kursts. And essentially, they're like ancient sea floors that rose because of tectonic activity and then gradually got eroded away. And you're left with these giant towers of limestone. It was incredible. And there were caves that you could see. So the whole thing was very enchanting. After we were on the long tail for a while and toured a bunch of specific formations, then our long tail boat driver takes us to the floating resort where I guess Mr. Noak works for? Who knows? But we ended up at this floating resort, had an incredible lunch, and then rented a kayak and paddled around. It was awesome. Yeah, I just want to mention the lunch had a fish, like a fried fish, and that fish had been caught like maybe half an hour ago. It was incredibly fresh, incredibly tasty. Right. So when we got to the pier, we discovered that this is a really popular place maybe with local travelers. There were a lot of Thai aunties there, actually. And it seemed like the tourist information office had a booklet where you can book multiple nights of stay with various floating villas on this lake. So we could have, if we didn't plan too much in advance and had booked another night in Suratani, we could have maybe booked a night at a floating villa at the lake and maybe even done a jungle tour that evening. But we didn't really know how all of it worked. So it ended up being a day trip. But for future travelers out there, this is a possibility. You can go on a nighttime jungle walk. And we really wish that we could have stayed longer. 
Speaking of which, Soratani is a is a very lovely uh, li- little town. I would call it a relatively small town. Uh, we only stayed there for two nights, and like we said, we spent most of our day at Kosok. But I still had a very good time there. Uh, there are some lovely little food markets that we were able to explore uh, on both nights we were there. Uh, but apart from that, I can't say too much about it. Is there anything? Oh, I think, Juan, you went quickly to go see a temple, right? Yes. Right from our hotel, near the transportation hub at Rajatani Hotel, was a giant temple devoted to the Bodhisattva Guanyin, which I had known, you know, growing up in China, and people wear, in China, it's a she, people wear her symbol around them all the time in jade. So imagine my surprise to see this in the middle of Thailand. But it was really cool. So I did visit her temple, walked around. I believe she is embodied as a female deity, in Thailand, not sure. There was a lot of things written in Chinese, and even the statue itself had like it was made in China, and they shipped the parts over here. So that was just really interesting to see. Yeah, and we actually learned as we were traveling as well that the Dalai Lama, uh, who until I traveled here, I had not really a good idea of who he was. You know, sort of what his role was, but the Dalai Lama is considered to be potentially a kind of a physical form on Earth of the same. Bodhisattva compassion. So the Dalai Lama and Guanyin are supposed to be kind of like the same entity, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. So from Suratani, we took a flight to Chiang Mai, and again, we'll go into Chiang Mai more in its separate episode. But in Chiang Mai, that was our base for going to Elephant Nature Park, which was a mind blowing experience. Highly, 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 highly recommend for anyone who is going to visit Chiang Mai. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was so. I've always liked elephants. Han knows this. Uh, I've always just really been, I don't know, felt very, very moved by how elephants live in the wild and the sort of intelligence, emotional intelligence that display. And seeing them at this conservation and sort of rescue park was absolutely incredible. I could not stop asking questions and and taking pictures and just basking into the presence of the elephants. All of it was incredible. Each elephant is known. They have, I think, 118 or something like this. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, mostly females uh, because the vast majority of elephants that are uh, used, unfortunately, in various industries around Thailand are females because the males are too temperamental. Um, But the females were all had you know, a name, an identity, a story, and a personality. It was incredible. You could just hang out with an elephant for 30 seconds and then hang out with another one for 30 seconds and you could see that they both had widely different personalities, very different ways of interacting with humans, with other elephants, with the other animals that are being rescued by the park. Juan, do you want to explain a bit on what we saw there? Elephant Nature Park is one of the first, maybe the only, I'm not sure, non-contact sanctuaries in Thailand. This means that we as day visitors are not able to pet them, feed them, bathe them, definitely not ride them or any of those unnatural activities with elephants. So we maybe were a group of six and we had our own guide And she took us around the park to meet different families of elephants or different herds of elephants. Because 
Many of these elephants are not related to each other, but they created and selected their own herds. And she explained the origin stories and how they were rescued and why they needed rescuing. Again, these are Asian elephants. We learned about the plight of each of the elephant, and then we learned about how they're being cared for at the nature park. And each elephant is assigned one mahout or caretaker. And these mahouts could have been previously employed by an exploitative organization that did writing or circus or elephant art, that type of work, but has now transitioned their profession from being an elephant caretaker in those exploitative settings to now working for the elephant nature park and earning a living this way. So that was really cool. The baby elephants had two caretakers each because they are very vivacious and energetic and run around a lot. So that was just, it was a super amazing experience. And I was really blown away by the amount of conservation efforts going on around saving Asian elephants. I didn't know too much about the plight of Asian elephants, but it was very sobering to learn very eye-opening to hear about the founder's story. And then Quinta and I went home and immediately um, downloaded the documentary that talked a bit more about the founder and Lek. She's a very famous, internationally renowned conservationist. And it was called Love and Bananas. And it followed the rescue of a particular elephant who ended up there. And it's not only the elephant, because as I mentioned, there are other animals that are also being rescued. There are water buffalo, for example, that are just hanging out. Most of their time is spent being in the mud, and I can suddenly understand that. They're having a blast, having their mud bath. There are also a lot of dogs, and there's also, how do they call it? The Cat Kingdom. Yeah, the Cat Kingdom. Uh, and the Cat Kingdom was about 1,700 cats, and you able to go there. Unlike the elephants, the cats are completely okay with human contact, so you can just lay down and let the cats just take you. Just a wave of cats just take you forever and you and if that's how I die that's how I die it was a very enjoyable experience as well in some way and we got to see actually local hill tribe women at work one of the other arms maybe of the mission of the elephant nature park is to help with employment of local people so this is through local farming because elephants eat a lot and by employing local uh, especially local women, training them with different skills. So we actually got to see a lot of local women from the hill tribes doing a lot of the cooking and prepping for the meals for the elephants and for people. So that was really exciting. And I felt much better interacting with hill tribe people in a setting of their profession and work rather than going to see them in these like touristic villages which felt very much like a human zoo experience and it just didn't feel right to me. I mean we did not end up going to any of those villages for that reason and for a bit of context we'll go more into detail in the Chiang Mai episode but the hill tribe people are various cultures that are found in the north of Thailand as well as Myanmar and they're different ethnic groups with different names, but the main one being the Karen, I think, is the most well-known one in particular because they have this practice of wearing a lot of necklaces so that their neck is elongated. So they're sometimes known as the Karen long necks. Uh, but anyway, we'll go more in detail as to what the culture is like and sort of the influence they've had in northern Thailand uh, when discussing Chiang Mai. All right, and as for 
The bad part of the Elephant Nature Park visit, the visit itself was absolutely flawless. We would not change a thing. I guess what you would call bad maybe is just learning about the plight of some of the elephants and how they got there. It was really sad, actually, and many of them had visible injuries, including one who stepped on a dynamite, unfortunately, because areas where elephants live in Asia are also areas of previous human conflict. So it was just super sad seeing, you know, these elephants struggle in in this context. Yeah, another elephant was had a broken head because she was essentially used as a brooding mare. And she was just meant to have babies over and over again to the point that it messed up her her entire hip area. Others, I mean, I'm not going to go over the whole thing because it's just very, very sad. But there was something very comforting to see the elephants now being in a much nicer environment. And elephants being the so incredibly emotionally intelligent creatures that they are, uh, would actually help each other out. So if an elephant, uh, they showed us examples of if you have one elephant that has a lame leg and another elephant that has uh, become blind because of the flashes of visitors or because they all then have uh, cataract, well, the, uh, the elephant with the lame leg is going to guide the blind elephant and the blind elephant is going to allow the elephant with the lame leg to rest on them. Uh, to make sure that, you know, they can both help each other out. And this kind of altruism and empathy uh, you find in every aspect of elephant life. And that's one of the reasons I'm very enamored with them. All right, let's move on to the turbulence section. Uh-oh, we've hit turbulence. What went a bit wrong or not as planned during our trip, Quentin? Well, I mean, for, for, for me, the main one is that you were sick. I mean, we still had a good time, but I feel sad that you weren't able to enjoy it to its fullest. Ah, c'est la vie, but I'm much better now. Yeah, otherwise, uh, the chaotic but still fun organization about getting to Kaosok, where we explained with Mr. Nock and the WhatsApp number and the sort of random people we encountered. All right, so that's not too bad, all things considered for turbulence. And now we are flying high. This is the segment where we talk about things that really left an impression on us. For me, that freshly caught fish at the Putawan Resort that they deep fried was amazing. I'm still craving it. I'm still thinking about it. And I really enjoyed kayaking from the resort in the lake and just having a good time. And of course, elephants, but I'll pass the baton on to Quentin. Yeah, so my flying high, I've already mentioned it, for me is definitely Elephant Nature Park. It was just a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Well, I hope not once-in-a-lifetime. I hope I get to do something like this again, maybe get more involved. But I was already very interested by elephants before having met them like this, and now I'm just even more interested in them. Uh, it has confirmed everything I knew about them, Oh, everything I had read about them, they're just incredible creatures. And I think we should just work as much as we can to try and save them from uh, extinction. In Asia, there's only a few thousand Asian elephants left, and they are incredible. And as a close second for me, it was Kasok. Uh, Juan mentioned it. The lunch we had there was incredible. And just seeing the view of those limestone cliffs again was something I had never seen before. It's, yeah, 
altogether, those national parks were really, really worth it. I'm really glad we did it. I want to add, now that we know about Elephant Nature Park, next time we come back to Thailand, I would love to maybe spend a few nights there. That is a possibility. You can stay there. And then you can even volunteer for a certain period of time. For example, we saw quite a few volunteers like chopping pineapples and stuff like that. There are different possibilities for volunteering. All right, that's all for us this week. Join us next time where we will discuss the wonderful city of Chiang Mai. In the meantime, we would love it if you would follow us on Instagram at Invited Along Podcast. And you can also reach us by email at invitealong at gmail.com. So long for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>